This is Expert Insights, Physician Views and News, a podcast with the nationally recognized physicians at the Christ Hospital Health Network. Here's your host, Melanie Cole. Nearly 30% of all women will develop a pelvic floor disorder in their lifetime, but many don't seek help. They may be too uncomfortable talking about their symptoms, think it's just a normal part of aging, assume these kinds of problems can't be corrected, or just aren't sure what kind of specialists to see. My guest today is Dr. Mickey Karam. He's an internationally renowned urogynecologist and pelvic surgeon, the director of urogynecology and reconstructive surgery at the Christ Hospital Health Network, and the medical director of the Christ Hospital Pelvic Floor Center. Welcome to the show, Dr. Karam. Explain a little bit about pelvic floor disorders and the types and conditions that you see. Sure. Uh, good morning. I um, Pelvic floor disorders are very common quality of life problems that uh, um, the majority of women sometime in their life suffer from. I like to categorize it into five separate therapeutic areas. Uh, the first would be problems with bladder dysfunction. Most of that is going to be around bladder control, and the problem of urinary incontinence in women is 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 huge. We spend in excess of $3 billion a year on adult protective wear, and there's a variety of medicines and surgeries that we do. The second category is problems with pelvic organ support, something called pelvic organ prolapse. And this is a problem that, again, is very, very common but not talked about much, and women basically develop a problem where the tissues in the vaginal canal basically lose their support and 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 protrude to the opening, beyond the opening, and sometimes quite a ways beyond the opening. And that can be the bladder pushing the vagina out, the uterus itself can fall out, the rectum can push the vagina out, the rectum itself can fall out. So a variety of problems like this that uh, that we deal with. The third category would be problems with defecation or bowel dysfunction. Again, loss of bowel control, very, very common and obviously devastating from a quality of life problem, as well as a variety of problems with bowel evacuation. The fourth category would be female sexual dysfunction. And again, this can range from anything from pain with intercourse to a variety of issues with libido and 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 uh, uh, stimulation, et cetera, et cetera. And again, this is a very common area, uh, somewhat complicated, but a very prevalent problem in women. And the fifth would be a variety of pelvic pain syndromes related to bladder pain, uh, vaginal pain, vulvar pain, pain around the rectum. Uh, again, very common um, and and a problem that women never really know who to reach out to. So those are the categories that we in this subspecialty deal with. So what are some common conditions and factors that lead to some of these pelvic floor disorders? Are they a normal part of aging? So uh, that's a good question. Unfortunately, we have not been really good at understanding the, the pathophysiology or the causes of these. They're multifactorial. Um, and that's the, the sad thing is there's really nothing on the horizon for prevention, but uh, certainly things like uh, delivering babies through the vaginal canal put women at higher risk, especially if they've had a long labor, a big baby, a, a, an issue with, with, with a tear or some sort of an operative delivery. Aging 
contributes, loss of estrogen or the menopause contributes. There's probably even some genetic and cultural factors that play into it. But there's really not one etiologic or causative factor we can hang our hat on. Dr. Karam, speak about treatment options based on the quality of life of the patient, starting with things like physical therapy and behavioral modification, medicational intervention, and when does it become surgical? So the first thing, even before you think about any treatment, is to really appreciate from a quality of life standpoint the impact that the condition is having. So you'll have, at far ends of the spectrum, you may have a woman that for the first time coughs real hard or doesn't make it to the bathroom in time and has a little bit of leakage of urine and thinks the world is coming to an end. And that could have been a very, very, uh, you know, just erratic uh, um, experience that she had. And there's, you know, it it may not be truly a, a, a big problem to her. The flip side of that, you have women that are living in pads or, you know, not, socially, uh, uh, basically socially isolating themselves and in denial that, that, that the problem doesn't bother them. So you really need to dive in and, and let patients know that there's a lot of treatment options and appreciate the quality of life impact it's having. And then education, simply explaining to a patient the way things are supposed to function, behavioral therapy, timing their voids, identifying if they're able to appropriately utilize and contract their pelvic floor muscles. Those are all things that we do initially. And then when we get into um, uh, medicines, there are medicines that can prevent the bladder from having too much spasm. There are medicines that we can uh, give to, for example, bulk up the stools and help them with with bowel evacuation problems. Um, There is Hormone therapy can be very, very successful in patients that have developed uh, changes in their vaginal canal related to loss of estrogen. Um, and, and so our first-line therapy is usually behavioral and pharmacologic uh, um, with, with pelvic floor rehabilitation. And people have heard about pelvic floor rehabilitation and Kegel exercises and that sort of thing. Do you feel that they work pretty well for some women? So, so the, the issue is that p- patients don't understand these are not your typical muscles. They're very deep muscles that are hard to isolate, irregardless of the intelligence level of a patient. So many women, most women I would even say, that think they're appropriately contracting their pelvic floor muscles really aren't because they're recruiting musculature from either the buttocks area or the abdominal area, the inner thighs. Again, they're deep muscles. And for that reason, biofeedback techniques, and there's new technology that even allows the placement of a device that has sensors in it that Bluetooth to a patient's iPhone uh, to, to let her know that she is appropriately contracting the muscle and also quantitate the strength of that muscle. So you need, you need biofeedback, pelvic floor physical therapy, the patients need help with the appropriate, and if, and if they do that, absolutely, very, very successful in certain conditions. Speak about surgical interventions and even laser, the Mona Lisa touch. What are you doing there to help women? So we were fortunate enough to, to, to be the first center in the United States to study this fractional CO2 laser technology. 
Um, it is very, very successful in basically treating the vaginal skin in a way that estrogen would treat it in a postmenopausal woman. When a woman goes through menopause, she basically loses her circulating estrogen. And over a time frame of one to four years, the, basically the pelvic floor dries up. The vagina becomes thin, very, very sensitive, not, and, and, and patients have difficulty with intercourse. They have a lot of irritation. They develop recurrent bladder infections. Um, and the only therapy prior to this was hormonal therapy. Well, hormonal therapy locally is, is difficult because patients have to put creams or tablets or devices in their vaginal canal. So compliance is an issue. And there are a lot of contraindications to hormones, i.e. breast cancer. And so to have a non-hormonal solution with this very, very simple laser treatment has really been game-changing. And um, it's, it's, a, it's an office procedure. It takes five minutes. It's three treatments in, in, in the session usually give patients relief for a year at least. Um, with usually a touch-up once a year after that. Um, so that's, that's been a very nice addition to our armamentarium. When we get to surgical uh, interventions, when non-surgical treatments don't work, <clears throat> surgeries are available, and there's a whole array of surgeries that we do. There are surgeries for bladder leakage called synthetic sling uh, uh, procedures, which are very safe and work very well. There are surgeries for overactive bladder, which can be anything from injection of Botox in the bladder to neuromodulator devices, such as the Interstim device. We have a multitude of surgeries that we utilize for prolapse in which we resupport things and, and, and narrow down the caliber of the vaginal canal. Um, and then there's a variety of different, less common surgeries that we utilize in specific indications. Doctor, what does current research indicate for future developments and treatments, do you think? And are there some treatments or research that you're doing at the Christ Hospital Health Network that other physicians may not be aware of? Yeah, so, um, you know, in, 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 in general, historically, um, we've, we've basically utilized the modality, as I've talked about, and if they don't work, we go to, to surgery, and all surgery can do is really alter anatomy. And there's a significant neurologic aspect of the functional derangements that occur related to bladder, bowel, and sex. And so there are more, uh, there's a lot of research around modulation devices that can be done locally. We're now using other energy sources besides the CO2 laser. We're doing a study utilizing radio frequency energy, which is, again, very simple to deliver in the vaginal canal for, for uh, uh, bladder dysfunction. There's a lot of research now around various treatments for fecal incontinence. Again, a devastating problem. That's the loss of involuntary loss of stool. So, so there's a lot on the horizon that's fortunately very minimally invasive that I think will be coming to fruition uh, in the next five to 10 years. So in summary, doctor, please tell other physicians what you'd like them to know about pelvic floor disorders and when to refer to a specialist. So pelvic floor disorders are very, very prevalent. And, and you know, you said at the onset of the program, impacting about 30% of women, the, the number's probably higher than that. The largest segment of our population, growth-wise, is the female above the age of 60. They're living 
a longer, expecting a better quality of life. So I would, uh, first of all, um, uh, uh, like physicians to know, if they're not asking about these problems on their patients with their either at their annual visits, because patients historically are very reluctant, shy, um, difficult for them to initiate a conversation about pain with intercourse or about bladder control, et cetera. But I think if they're asked about it, um, they're, they're much more uh, willing to talk about it. And I think that uh, many uh, primary care and certainly OBGYNs can initiate the the evaluation and therapy um, without much difficulty by just, again, asking patients, initiating behavioral therapy, assessing their pelvic floor musculature, something that's certainly within the realm of, of all of these physicians. And, and, and doctors should, should take a patient as far along as their com- comfort level allows. Um, there are not enough specialists nowhere near enough specialists to deal with all these problems. So there has to be a significant interaction with uh, general OBGYNs and and primary care docs in this regard. Thank you so much, Dr. Karam, for being with us today. It is such important information for so many women in this country. You're listening to Expert Insights, Physician Views and News with the Christ Hospital Health Network. More information on Dr. Karam and all of the Christ Hospital physicians is available at tchpconnect.org. That's tchpconnect.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.